From Welcome Villain Films, the studio that brought you the horror hit Malum, as well as Beaten to Death and Hunter Killer, comes their newest nightmare, Mind, Body, Spirit, now available on digital. Directed by Alex Haynes and Matthew Miranda, and produced by Dan Asma, Mind, Body, Spirit follows Anya, an aspiring yoga influencer, as she embarks on a ritual practice left behind by her estranged grandmother. What starts as a spiritual self-help guide quickly evolves into something much more sinister. As Anya becomes increasingly obsessed with the mysterious power of the practice, she unwittingly unleashes an otherworldly entity that begins to take control of her life and her videos. Now, Anya must race to unlock the truth before her descent into madness threatens to consume her mind, body, and spirit. During its festival tour, which stops at Chattanooga Film Festival and the Unnamed Footage Festival, Mind, Body, Spirit garnered praise from critics who call it a found footage version of Hereditary and a knockout found footage horror movie for the live stream era. Experience the first ever yoga-themed found footage horror film and don't miss the film viewers have called extremely frightening and upsetting. Available now on digital anywhere you rent or buy movies online, including Prime Video and Apple Plus. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's the show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com And welcome back to Little Cuts, our weekly mini-sode where we dig into the things that we've been watching and playing recently. And I'm reading! Terry. Oh, and reading! <laughs> wow. <laughs> Triple threat. I'm Terry. I'm Mary Beth. <laughs> um, and this week we are talking a Norse giant and his gay fa- Oh, you said playing and now I know what it is now. Uh, a Norse giant and his gay family- a movie about men being trash, uh, mm. Southern Gothic cryptids, ooh, mm-hmm. lesbian space necromancers. What? <laughs> and a movie based on a podcast joke. Wow. Oh, I love thoughts about that one. I can't wait to talk about that. <laughs> oh, I know. We, I mean, we're really like running the gamut here, I have to say. <laughs> it's a lot. But now that I think I know what this Norse giant and his gay family are, tell me about what this is. Okay, uh, so I mean, this is a reach. It's a reach. However, however, I am firmly convinced that the all the men in God of War Ragnarok are queer. I like because... this reading. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the sequel to 2018's God of War, which saw Kratos go from being a horrible, misogynistic 
sexual assault, rapey sort of anti-hero to being dad. Boy. Boy. Um, not daddy. It's not, and it's not a joke, y'all. He actually is a father. <laughs> he is a father, and you know, I did you have you played that God of War? No, I've just watched a lot of people play it, so okay. I'm familiar with it. I just haven't mm-hmm. played it myself. I really liked it, but like this, this series is not exactly great for women characters. I would say uh, because God of War and starts with the fridging of Kratos's wife and the whole plot of it is to basically carry her ashes up to a mountain kill a bunch of gods along the way and in doing so have started ragnarok well they've started um gosh i am going to screw up saying this word thimble winter which is like a three-year-long winter that that began at the conclusion of the previous game and leads into ragnarok okay and Spoiler alert for those who haven't played the first game. I'm sorry, I'm going to spoil something. You find out that uh, Atreus, Kratos' son, is also known by Loki, and he is half-giant, as well as being a fourth god and fourth human, I think is how that genealogy works based on the two families. (laughs) And this game picks up, like uh, I think, three years later. And they're in the midst of Fimble Winter, and they're trying to survive. They've, in the first game, pissed off Freya, and now she is a vengeful woman, because that's all... We only have two... There's only two female characters that I've seen so far in this game. We have Freya, who's a vengeful mother, because you killed her son. And then we have... um, I don't even know how to pronounce her name. Where is it? Fuck. That's that's a really bad sign. (laughs) The only other woman is. Wait, where's her name? No one talks about her by name. Well, she she just got introduced, and oh, okay. How far into the game are you? I'm about twelve or thirteen hours in. Oh, cool. Love that the second female character is introduced that far into the game. I know it's like it's and, like a forty hour game, right? Yeah, but her story so, is all about being. Gosh, I really wish I could figure out what her name is. I'm going to do some digging while I talk. Um, her her story is that she is like. She has her own prophecy because they find out the prophecy at the end of the first game and, and yada, yada, yada. He's Loki. You know. um, Kratos yeah. is going to die. Yada, yada, yada. He has this, this that thing. And then <laughs> uh, Atreus slash Loki meets Angraboda. Oh, okay. Yeah, that sounds right. Played by Layla de Leon Hayes. Um, and her whole thing is that she has a prophecy and it's basically to be part of his story. And so I'm like, okay, we're getting cringe here again. Because like part of her like whole ethos at least in this beginning part maybe it'll subvert my expectations i don't know but given the track record for women in these games not i'm not expecting it but she's like she's really upset because now her part of the prophecy is over and now her story is coming to an end and i'm like because of a male character like this is awkward but all the men in the lot in in atreus's life his father the head of Mimir, who is like strapped to Kratos's ass, they bicker like married couple. Aww. They both have advice for Atreus, and they both end up acting as if they're parents to him. 
even though Mimir keeps calling everyone brother, there is like he is giving advice. He is telling Kratos to calm think to calm down and to like not push Atreus away. He gives advice to to Atreus. There are the two dwarves that were introduced in the first game that are brothers, mm-hmm. and they act like gay uncles for him. And then you meet Tyr, the other god of war, who is like this tall, gangly dude who doesn't want to be a god of war and doesn't want to fight anymore. And he, there's like a couple scenes where they're all having dinner. It is literally like one, two, three, five, six men just sitting around a table and Atreus. And What's it's like, this? guys being dudes. This is gay brunch. Like, <gasps> I could look at these people and oh. be like, Okay, you two are these characters. You two are these people at the gay brunch. You are this guy at the gay brunch. You are the two couples that are bickering over how to raise a kid. Like, it's pretty gay in my opinion. I love it. Are you playing mainly as Atreus, or are you playing as? Kratos? No, you play as Kratos for most of it. For most um, of it, but okay. there are a couple times where the game follows Atreus because the 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 premise of this one is that where if the first if the first game in Nor- in the Norse mythology is Kratos becoming a father and trying to grapple with mm-hmm. that. This one is about um, a kid coming of age and trying to one understand where he's, where he's coming from, not knowing that the prophecy is also going to potentially end with his father. So while he is like struggling with um, sense of identity and where his place in the world and teenage rebellion, his father is like trying to spend as much time with him as possible because he is afraid that the prophecy is going to end with his death. Uh, okay. Gotcha. So, very male-dominated game. A lot of problematic aspects so far. Maybe they'll subvert it with the female characters, but it's a lot of fun. And if you if you enjoyed playing the first game, well, the previous game, I should say, because this is like nine games deep, I think, at this point. That's what I said. There's a lot of fucking God of War games. <laughs> There's this a lot point. of them. Uh, this is a lot of fun. I'm having a great time with it. It's um, pretty, it's just, too, right? Like, it looks oh, yeah, it's gorgeous. gorgeous. It's gorgeous. They somehow... Because I thought the last game looked pretty, and this game sort of ups that that ante a lot so yeah it's a lot of fun um i'm enjoying the story even though like i said this this game does not even pass the bechdel test so far at all look we can't have it all that's fine no. i mean like god of war to me is like a t- is testosterone oozing oh. game too mm-hmm. you know what i mean it's just funny that it's like well i guess we're just gonna keep the status quo for now again who knows but it's just... I, who knows but yeah but it's basically just a giant and his gay family. And I love it. Okay. Yeah, that sounds all right. I read that and I was like, what is this beautiful thing? And I was like, oh, okay. Okay. Oh, yeah. But speaking about men and trash, what is this movie about men being trash? So this is like the polar opposite of what you just talked about. <laughs> so this is um, the new film Run, Sweetheart, Run, directed mm. by Shayna Festi. Or Fest. I don't remember which one. Um... It is out now on Prime Video, and it's good with a capital G. Um, I really want to see it. So, okay, so this was a film that's been, like, stuck in, like, hell for a while, because it mm-hmm. it premiered at, I believe it premiered at Sundance. It was supposed to screen, it screened at Sundance in 2020. It was supposed to go to South by Southwest. The pandemic fucked it, and it's kind of just been stuck in a little bit of development hell. Since I think there were some re- like some re- some tweaks and things to the film as well from like its initial conception to where it is okay. now, but the film follows um a woman played by Ella Ella 
Balinska, who was the main lead in Resident e- in the Resident Evil series on Netflix. Oh, she was yeah, the yeah, adult yeah. Jade. Um, but her name is uh, Sherry. She's a single mother and a pre-law student. She works at a law firm in LA. She's like dating, trying to just like live her life. Her boss is says, oh, shit, I have a client meeting. Can you go do it for me with this guy? It'll be fine. She goes. He's played by... Um, Pilu Ospek, who was in Game of Thrones, he played um, Euron Greyjoy, and he's oh, super yeah. charming, he's super sweet, they hit it off, and then she goes back to his house, and she escapes, covered in blood, and it mm. basically, he tries, we don't know what happens, they don't show it, but she basically, he's assu- she's assaulted, and she's needs, the rest of the movie follows her running through the streets of Los Angeles, trying to survive the night from the sky. Wow. And... Uh, he's not human. He can smell her blood. And it is all about her basically trying to band with other women to help keep her alive through the night. Oh, wow. And it's really heavy handed, but in a really good way. I mean, it's this movie is it knows exactly what it's trying to do. It's like men are shit. Men and women will never get and won't get justice. But it's done in a really clever way in terms of it having like the, her running through Los Angeles all night trying to find ways to protect herself. She doesn't have shoes. Like she's literally has nothing on her. No phone, nothing. And she's also trying to protect her daughter. And it goes to some like really fascinating places. And it it's part of it. That's hard for me is there's a lot of violence against women in this movie to a point where I'm like, is this a, like, what, what's the point? But at the same time, it does kind of show that how especially white, rich white men in power can get away with whatever they want. And then women are just kind of fodder for, the machine basically yeah and it also something that i also really liked about it was how it handles the idea of having your period because you Mm. know having your period menstruation is like never isn't really addressed a lot of times in movies unless it's like comedy like hi she's got her period but here menstruation is used as like one she's bleeding on her period so he can smell her but then she uses it kind of to her advantage in terms of like scent which is really i think really cool i think the problem that arises with that is that this becomes very much like biological women imperative and talking about the power of like Mm -hmm. periods and i think it's really it's necessary and interesting to 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 see that talked about but it also does feel a little bit like it's kind of trans exclusionary and like look i understand that not every single movie can address every single like group and gender identity but at the same time in the year of our lord 2022 and making a movie that is a lot of like based around like oh the bio the biology of a woman is helping them survive i think it's a little bit there's something that like feels a little bit like underbaked about that concept especially in like you know this idea of sisterhood with all these mm-hmm. biological women how to like trans women factor into it and like trans transness isn't addressed at all in the movie um which i, I again i think was a choice they didn't want to like add that probably add it to the mix but it would have been nice to kind of see a little bit of that in there because so much of it is about violence against women and trans women experience violence at even higher rate as well. But I, that's just, you know, a a thought I had watching. It was like, I really like how this is handling it. And it's based on the director's own kind of experience with sexual assault. And I think it handles the topic in a really interesting way that takes like sexual assault, rape, revenge narratives into like an interesting level um, and I really enjoyed it. I just think there are some little new, like, it's, it could be a little bit more nuanced, but, you know, that's me. 
But yeah, it's on Prime Video. I think it's it's heavy handed, but done really well. I think Ella okay. Balinska in the lead is she's absolutely incredible. More roles for her, please. I think she's just so good at keeping up that energy. Because mm. like she's on screen almost the entire movie, and she's in a right. constant state of emotional turmoil, and she doesn't lose it at all, which I think is really impressive. And then Palu aspect is just downright terrifying. Um, he's really good at playing villains, um, and I I really I, I was surprised by it because I it was like hey, this came out it was supposed to come out like two years ago, yeah. And they're just getting dumped. But no, it's really good. I think it just got screwed over by the pandemic and the timing, but it's definitely worth checking out. Yeah, that's Run Sweetheart Run. Cool. Yeah, I've been, I've been you know, I forgot that it came out, honestly. Like, yeah. I had gotten like press releases for it, and it was just during a really bad time. And then yeah. I forgot that it came out. And so I was like, I keep thinking about it when I'm at work or when I'm like in bed is when I'm like, oh shit, I still need to watch that movie. So I'm glad to hear it's really good because, uh, um, I'm going to try to hopefully watch it in the next week or so. <laughs> yeah, definitely check it out. I think, yeah, I think it's really well done. I think it's a really cool, like, portrait of Los Angeles. It's a really cool kind of, like, with little vignettes almost where she's, like, running through different groups of people and, like, experiencing different groups of people. But, yeah, it's weird. Awesome. But, like, in a good way. Cool. Okay, so you, Southern Gothic Cryptids, that's, uh, that's, like, catnip for me. So uh-huh. what, what is this? Okay, so I've talked about her on the podcast before, but I love graphic novelist Abby Howard. Yes. I have been following her since Penny Arcade did a really poorly named uh, reality competition called Strip Search, uh-huh. which was to find, um, you know, the next comic. And she was on that. I fell in love with her. Uh, she's done a whole lot of web comics. Um, she's done a lot of gra- graphic novels. Um, there is, I don't know if you can see, but that cat up there. For those at home, is um, her cat is a stuffed animal. I love her work deeply. I'm I have so much respect for her. She did a Kickstarter, like I want to say two years ago, for a video game, a visual novel video game that she and her husband um, created called Scarlet Hollow, yeah. and it started coming out last year. And we have three episodes out. It's an episodic visual novel. There's going to be seven episodes. There's three episodes out. Episode four is supposed to come out before the end of the year. Um, I've been wanting to play it. And um, I bought a Steam Deck, which is like a Switch, but plays Steam games. Kind of. And so I've been playing this at night in bed um, and like I said, it's a visual novel, so it's not, there's not a whole lot of gamification in it. It's more yeah. about reading and making ch- the choices, but there are, there's some light RPG elements in it where you pick your traits. There's like a trait where you can talk to animals and that will spawn different conversation topics. There's a trait where you can just be hot and so you can flirt with everybody. There's a trait where like you have like a mystical knowledge. And so you are reading like weird events that are happening. And the premise behind it is that, um, you are going home to meet, gosh, I want to say it's her, your cousin mm-hmm. whose, fa- whose mother has passed away and you're going there for the funeral. The funeral is going to be like, uh, at the end of the week. And so you are, um, basically staying a week in this in this kind of Appalachia town where there's you're staying in a manor that is decrepit and falling apart basically there's like a story that's going on and you are there's like creatures that are preying on livestock there's houses full of spirits it's a sleepy town 
you meet people in the town. You start to like get involved in like a mystery of what's of what's going on. You can romance people. It's very um, queer friendly. I am have my eyes set on this uh, daddy, and he's uh, he's named Oscar, and he is really cool. Uh, but yeah, you're basically there's like cryptids. There's some weird, weird creatures in the the forest. One of your friends is a YouTuber that has been documenting the weird cryptid phenomenon in in the town and it's just there's some spooky stories you make choices you can decide your choices will end up deciding who lives who dies the story you see they're very impactful changes um i have i'm not exactly sure (laughs) what the choices are because i've only played through it once but like i'm very curious to see how it's all gonna pan out and it's just it's really good her writing is solid it's hand-drawn animation hell yeah it looks gorgeous I love it. And it's only available on PC, unfortunately, right now. But if you have a computer and you like visual novels, I highly recommend it. I believe the first episode is out for free. So you can download the first episode and play it um, for free. And that should probably get you hooked because it has some some really strong storytelling elements in it. And the creature design is creepy as fuck. Fuck yeah! I was just I'm just, I was looking at some of the images while you were talking just to because you've talked about her before. Mm-hmm. And so not Scarlet Horror, Scarlet Hollow, duh. And Southern Gothic cryptids. I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. Fuck yeah! Mm-hmm. Okay, well maybe I'll just make Steve download it on his computer because he he has a PC. You should. It's uh, it's it's great. I love it. I cannot wait for episode four to come out. Hell and I've, yeah. I, they're short. Like I think I think so far I've spent about a little over an hour in each each episode. I think I'm like okay. between three and four hours into it. So it's not a, a it's not going to be. I don't think a, an incredibly long series, but it's really interesting and the storytelling is fantastic. So fuck yeah, highly recommend it. Sweet. Uh, but I I gotta hear lesbian space necromancers. I got to hear. What is this? Okay. So I'm obsessed already. So, okay. I have been meaning to read this book slash this series of books for a while. And I'm finally reading it. And this okay. is the first book in the Locked Tomb series. Um, this is called Gideon the Ninth by Tasman Muir, I believe okay. is her name. Is how you pronounce her name. So this is the first book in a quadrilogy. There are going to be four. There's there's a total of four books. The fourth one is coming out next year. Um, but the first book came out in 2019, and um, how, so it's YA, but it's good. It's a good horror YA. So it's like it's it's a YA book, but it's got a lot of gore in it. So this t- this book takes place. I I'm just. Look, I'm almost done with the first book, and I'm still trying to get a handle on the lore because it's a very complicated world. And the way that it's written is you're supposed to be in the position of this character who doesn't really know anything about, like, the way things are supposed to be in this universe. But essentially, it takes place in a solar system where there are nine planets, and each planet is dedicated to a house. And this house is each dedicated to a certain kind of necromantic art. And, of course, of fucking course, we are... In the ninth house, which is the house that's very scary and everyone's scared of them because they're all very scary and they protect the locked tomb and no one knows what's in the locked tomb. And they're all just scary space necromancers who love to make giant things of skeleton. Like on the the planet, the ninth, the house of the ninth planet, like skeletons are doing all the farming and shit. Okay. And so Gideon is 
the has a, is a mysterious background. She was dropped onto the, ni- the, pl- the ninth planet as a child. No one knows where she came from. And then she is basically trained as a servant to the house and is treated like shit mm. by the princess Harrowhawk, who is like the, the princess of the ninth, basically. And then all of this shit happens. They hate each other, but they are summoned, they are summoned to the first planet for to train in this like to train to become like mythical leaders of the people of this lectors what they're called and so through a series of unfortunate events gideon is dragged along to be her cavalier the necromancer's cavalier basically like her protector her bodyguard and they're they all have a bunch of lies and secrets that are going into this and gideon is a himbo a female himbo is what me and my friend call her, a female himbo, because it is like, it, this book is written in like this elegant prose of these like great family houses, and then fucking Gideon comes and is like, what in the fuck is all this weird clone shit? Like, it's very funny, this contrast okay. of like, and so when they're taught, when a lot of these like necromancers are talking about like arcane arts and stuff, Gideon, like, we don't know what's going on because Gideon doesn't know what's going on, so it's kind of, it's funny because you're like, who are all these people? Like they're throwing around like, ah, yes, the Lord Undying, ne- Necro Necro Lord Prime is someone that's talked about a lot, and I still don't know who he is. <laughs> um, but Gideon is a lesbian. She is not a necromancer, but she has a crush on her necromancer, who I believe is also a lesbian. So there's like people playing with dead bodies. There's some romance going on, and then there's a. It's mostly a murder mystery, but taking place okay. in space with necromantic arts and revenant ghosts and like weird other things going on um it's fucking incredible sounds like fun lesbian space necromancers it's awesome it's gory and again like it's ya but like you know there's a lot of there's a lot of like fucked up shit going on with bodies and things like that and so i'm like i have like i am like 75 percent of the way done with the book and i love it i can't i stayed i've been staying up too late reading it um on my phone It's it's the best kind of book so it's just it's so fun and i i think it, it scratches this itch of how much i love like murder mysteries but makes it not like a stuffy murder mystery but puts it in this really interesting context and now i'm getting all these like really crazy answers to things that i've been wondering about this whole time and it's just it's such a fun read i'm so excited to read the other three um but yeah that's gideon the ninth it's okay so good. it's just gay awesome. and space and it's just great. I'm adding that to my list. I gotta... That sounds like a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Um, and the ninth, because they're, like, such spooky bitches, they wear skull face paint all the time, because it's part of, like, their uniform. They always have to have, like, the scare... They're, like, basically, like, death, death nuns, is what they basically call themselves. <laughs> and they always have to, like... They're, they're always wearing all black and, like, a ton of bone jewelry and, like, bone accoutrement and just have to look like spooky bitches all the time. And Hell I love yeah. them. They're just, like... They're living the goth, scary lifestyle constantly love that for them it's great it's it's incredible so uh check it out y'all it's good as shit (laughs) hell yeah um speaking about things that are good as shit just kidding (laughs) what movie did we watch (laughs) for a horror comedy this week uh okay before we get to that though i do i i want to make a slight correction so scarlet hollow is also playable on mac os and it has (gasps) a it seems like it has a relatively low requirement and the first episode is free, so you could at least try it on Steam. It's on Steam. I think it's also on Itch.io. So that brings I just my to throw heart that joy. Out there. Okay, cool. Yeah. 
Um, My Mac having ass can play it. There you go. <laughs> I just want to make that correction because uh, it is it is also out there. But oh boy. Okay, so the film we're going to talk about started as a joke on the Smodcast, which is Kevin Smith and Scott Mosier's um, podcast. And they discussed an article featuring a Gumtree ad where a homeowner was offering a living situation free of charge if the lodger agrees to dress as a walrus. And the discussion went from there, resulted in like an almost an hour of it being spent on telling hypothetical story based on this ad. And then Smith tweeted out walrus yes or walrus no if people if his fans wanted him to make this movie. They said yes. And so here we have Tusk. A movie that is about a podcaster who is an absolute dickhole, played by Justin Long, who goes to Canada and ends up getting turned into a walrus. This made me never want to make a podcast ever again. (laughs) Because boy, oh boy, wow, the perspective on podcasters in 2013, uh, wow, not funny. I feel like they really thought they were doing something like, look, we're called the Not C Party. And I was just like, I'm so fucking sick of that stupid joke. Oh, like, seeing that now also in 2022, where we have the rise of neo Nazis like becoming more visible, it's even less. It has aged even. I mean, it would have been offensive, in my opinion, then. But like, now it's even like, ooh. This is aged even worse. Like, so I had never seen this before. Like, I knew about it. I knew it was the Walrus movie. And I think Kevin Smith is not my favorite. I think, and I think this movie kind of solidified that. I think he's a little bit too bro-y for my taste. I think he just is much too, like, huh, look at the bros making bro jokes about being bros. And it's just like, eh, it's not for me. It's not for me. I can see why people like that and can, like can kind of vibe with that. I just don't think I can. Um, you know, this movie's on so many lists for being, like, so fucked up and disturbing. And, like, yeah, it's pretty fucked up that a guy gets turned into a walrus. Like, this, this, this I will admit. But they really did try to make a movie when they, it could have just been a short, a short film. You know what I mean? Like, this movie drags on for so long about things that, like, are completely unnecessary. And I'm just like, what? You, you you just introduce a bunch of questions I don't have any answers to now about. There's, like, so many other things you could have, like, dedicated that runtime towards. Instead, you just have Johnny Depp. Yep. What? Johnny Depp as, like, a weird Quebec cop telling stories for, like, 30 minutes as they eat, bur- like, sliders? And I was like, I don't... What is this movie? Oh. Yeah, you know... I so here's the here's the thing. I was actually enjoying this movie in the beginning when it was when it was mostly yeah. uh, Justin Long's character talking with um yeah what's Howard his name Howell Howard Howe yeah I think played yeah. by Michael pa- Parks like yes. that I was really into and I was like oh Kevin Smith's doing some interesting things here by cutting back to the uh, Justin Long's uh wallace's girlfriend who he cheated on and is an absolute dick to i was like okay there's some interesting things going on here i'm digging this and then after he gets turned into a walrus and we're getting introduced to johnny depp and it just i don't know it's at this point that i tweeted out is this movie offensive to Canadians? Because I found it offensive to Canadians. <laughs> I, I sent a screenshot. I was like, Ali, I don't want to die in Canada to Josh Corngut, managing editor, 
of Dread Central in front of the pod, and he was like, fuck you, (laughs) to me. (laughs) Which was very funny. But the pacing is so fucked in this movie. Because I was like, I thought the him Uh turning coming the walrus was like the, like, climax of the movie. I thought that was the I thought that was gonna be the final like reveal. He becomes a walrus pretty quick, and then it's just them it's just like the girlfriend and the Mm -hmm. best friend trying to find him, but it's not done in an interesting way whatsoever. Like none of the conflicts about him being a cheating asshole, it's never really done it doesn't go anywhere Mm-mm. and like Mm-mm. i think again i like the beginning a lot with this interesting dynamic of like this arrogant podcaster and this weird old guy and i was like oh this is gonna be one of those like really interesting like kind of musings that like, a guy talking about like being a mad scientist kind of situation and it'll be one of those kind of chamber pieces and then it just got a little weird black and white flashbacks and like flashback scenes and it just felt like such a movie where they loved the idea but they didn't know how to execute it and they executed it in probably one of the most boring mm-hmm. ways possible which is wild yeah. to say about a movie about a guy gets turned into I mean, a fucking walrus and his name is wallace and he gets turned into a walrus <laughs> and he lives in a zoo, lives I, in I, a zoo. <laughs> listeners the tweets so you know when i'm at work i sometimes i'm not able to have my phone and so i'll come out to lunch and i'll check my phone at that time and i love to leave sometimes Paris messages I get, while he's I, I, she does and so i come out at lunch and i have tusk is something wait his name is walrus and he becomes a walrus that's johnny depp because again i can watch I, I watch things while i work and because i tried to watch this last night when i was stoned and i fell asleep <laughs> It wasn't the movie's fault. It was my. That was purely my fault. But yeah, I love leaving Terry a little message just to come back to at the work day. I love it. Well, because I was I trying to figure it. out who the fuck that guy was, and I was at Johnny Depp, and I was like, I'm sorry. What? And his daughter's in it too. His daughter's in it, which is all. I think that she and and Kevin Smith's daughter Harley is also like they're the two clerks at the counter. Mm-hmm. And there is now there's like a yoga hoosiers involving them yoga hosers. And Johnny Depp is in it, and those two characters are in it. It's. I just uh, think Kevin Smith is for a very specific brand of person, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing. And I'm not trying to like say that he's a like he's a bad person. I just think his humor is not for me. I think it's he's very much the kind of guy that's like, look at all these weird, quirky characters. I haven't seen Clerks, so like I don't know if it's Clerks is better uh, or where that falls like within <sighs> this whole scenario. But I know that he just like likes to create all these characters that all exist in the same universe, and like it's one of those kinds of like kind of comic book douchebag kind of scenarios. You know the wildest part about this movie though? It's an A24 movie. <laughs> and XYZ. And XYZ. I was like, "Huh. Good for them." A24 <laughs> sure up their game. A24. Look, they up their game, but I also want them to make more movies lately. I mean, they have The Whale coming out, but that's not even that's that's a that's not that's a whole other fucking nightmare of a situation. But I want more movies like this. They swing, they swing for it, and like, uh, yeah, it wasn't the most successful movie in mm. my opinion. But it, like, it's kind of weird. Do more of that. A twenty four. Fuck elevated horror. There's some gross points. <laughs> there's there's a moment where Wallace as the walrus, he like his neck goes inside his his skin suit, and I went, oh, that is so gross. It was so gross looking the way that his neck like retracts in. Well, there was some really interesting parts where like 
Howard is in the suit and he's like teaching him how to fight as a walrus. Some, like I think there are some really interesting moments where the, I think there's some really good moments, but yeah, and like when he pulls him into the water and he sees all the other previous uh-huh. walrus experiments in the, in the water. I just think there was so much more they could have explored there instead of just like a gag. I think they really could have made something even like super fucked up and weird. I just think they're like, oh, it's a funny gag. And I'm like, but you could have taken it a step further because it is like a funny gag. But there's some interesting stuff that you're introducing here. Yeah, I mean, you throw I even... a way to have Johnny Depp on the screen for no fucking reason. I'm sorry, yeah, I... but like. <laughs> I, I feel like he. I, I don't know. I felt like there. It's two different movies. There's there's yeah. a movie that is like elevated for a Kevin Smith movie, and then it's like at the midpoint, he's just he goes back to some of his worst impulses. Yes, exactly. And he exactly. doesn't pay off any of the things because, like, one of the things that I noticed when I made a note of is that um, when he is recording his podcast with, by the way, Haley Joe Osment. <laughs> As his podcasting Woefully host. underutilized in uh-huh. this movie. When, he, when he's talking with him, they're, they're showing a video that, of a guy that they're calling Kill Bill Kid because the kid is swinging a, a sword and ends up hacking off his leg. With really bad CG blood, by the way. And Justin Long's Wallace talks about how, well, that you know, that's it's kind of fucked up. He's like, but now he's famous. He has a ton of hits. Like, he did this and now, you know, he's famous. And I was like, okay, so we're setting this up. So that, like, maybe by the end of it, we're going to pay that off with this walrus suit. Like, hey, look, you're a fucking walrus, but now you got all these hits. But no, we don't even really do that. There's no payoff to that that moment. That's like a Chekhov's moment right there that doesn't end up getting paid off in any in any stretch of the imagination. Like, he just ends up in a zoo crying. <laughs> He's in a zoo? That's all they did to him? They just put him in a fucking concrete zoo. That was my. I was. That, I was like, no attempts to get him out of that thing. Like no, nothing. I needed at least to see an X-ray of what he looks like underneath all that skin. Me too. <laughs> so many questions. So many questions. Uh, but yeah. I'm glad I finally saw it. Oh, me too. So now that I can say that I saw it, but it definitely does not. I tweeted. Tusk is sure a movie, and so many people are like, are you sure it's even a movie? And I was like, honestly, you're not wrong. Like, it definitely just kind of feels like a bunch of ideas sort of strung together. What's what's also funny is, like, while the movie, in that first half of the movie, I was like, I was really jiving with it, and I was like, Cass, I kind of want to see my roommate. I was like, I kind of want to see Yoga Hoosiers now, like, the, the sequel. And by the end of it, I was like, no, I don't. <laughs> I take that back. I don't want to see it. I revoke my statement. <laughs> Thank uh, you. So this yeah. one wasn't a winner for me. Yeah, not same here. But <sighs> no. but we are ending our horror comedy series on a high note next week. We Carrie, sure what movie are we watching next week? Oh my gosh, we are watching Tragedy Girls, a movie that I absolutely love and I've written an article about. And it's so queer. And I will fight anyone that says it's not queer because it's very queer. And I can't I wait to talk it. about it. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet, so I'm very excited to watch it. I'm so. Excited. I bought it on Blu-ray. <laughs> I have it. Just haven't seen it yet. It's really so good. I'm very excited. I cannot wait. I cannot wait. Um, but who are we chatting with on on Monday, Mary Beth? So on Monday we are chatting with uh, Pierre Sigaridis. Uh, pardon me if that is the incorrect pronunciation. 
uh, who is the filmmaker behind the film Two Witches, which I talked about just a couple of weeks ago on the podcast. And um, he brought with him The Devil's Advocate, uh, starring Keanu Reeves and Al Pacino. And Charlize, and Charlize Theron. Theron. A very baby-faced Charlize Theron. Good for her. Very baby-faced. So um, we haven't had the conversation yet, but I bet it's going to be great. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I'm really excited to chat about this movie. I've been watching it over the – because it is a little long. It's two and a half hours. So I've been watching it sort of like interspersed over the last few days. Uh, and I cannot wait to talk with him. We'll verify how to pronounce his last name. So we apologize, Pierre, if we've if we butchered it today. But and y'all can hear my story about this movie that I thought was a fever dream, and I've realized it's actually not a fever dream. So thumbs up. Uh, I can't wait. Um. <laughs> all right, listeners. So you've heard from us, but we want to hear from you. Did you watch a film, read a book, or play a video game that we talked about this week and have thoughts? Do you have suggestions for things we should be covering? Send us an email at scarredforlifepodcast at gmail.com, or you can reach out to us directly on Twitter. I am at MB McAndrews. And I'm McGaley Dreadful. And of course, don't forget to follow the podcast on Twitter at Scarred Podcast. And please don't forget to review, rate, subscribe, and sign up for our Patreon, because um, next month we are going to be giving you um, not only fresh wounds, but we're also going to dig into... Uh, a little mini sode on Barbarian. So get signed up for it. Because you can also watch this and Do you can it. see my really cute Josh shirt. you really cute. And then you can see my cool Shin Godzilla shirt. Yeah. And my my fa- my hands where I ripped off most of the nails on this one oh, and no. haven't done it quite yet on this one. <laughs> Give you time, <laughs> right? <laughs> what? Give you time. Uh-huh. Give me time. <laughs> or I'll go and get them taken off professionally like I should have, but... Who cares? Details, details. <laughs> Become a patron. Please. Thanks a lot. Anyway, thank you to Eric Power for our artwork. Thank you to Sean Keller for our music. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Please stay safe out there. But most importantly, stay creepy. <laughs> and until next time. powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.